Oh, is that you this morning? Have you ever had a second chance? Have you ever wondered if, in fact, um, you'd failed God so badly that there was no way that God could use you or accept you back? I want to talk to you about someone who got a second chance in the scripture. His name is Samson. And we think of the story of Samson. I think probably everybody here knows the story of Samson's life. And... Uh, Back in 1954, Cecil B. DeMille, actually 49, 1949, Cecil B. DeMille created the, the movie Samson and Delilah. Has anybody ever seen that? Uh, again, it's a compelling story. There's sex, there's violence, there's murder, there's uh, political intrigue, there's passion, uh, violence of, of every sort. And um, it, it captures people's attention. And um, unfortunately, uh, we we fail to recognize that the story is not just about political intrigue and, and the, uh, the, the bad choices that a man has made here. Uh, it's about a man who's been given a second chance. Uh, this picture that you see up here is a painting painted 400 years ago by uh, Rubens. It hangs in the National Gallery of London, 400 years old, very well-known painting for those who are familiar with the art world. But in fact, it's not the only painting. There's, there have been literally uh, dozens, hundreds of paintings done on the theme of Samson and Delilah. An intriguing story. But I would suggest to you today that the most intriguing part of the story is not the great feats that Samson uh, carries out. It's not the the the, the politics or the intrigue or the romance that's so intriguing, it's the fact that God gives Samson a second chance. And so I want to talk to you about that this morning. I want to tell you the story of Samson. Now, it's a, it's a long story. It's four chapters. So I hope you brought a lunch this morning. I'm, actually, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but I'm going to just uh, give you some highlights and then skip right to the last chapter. But if you want to uh, sort of follow along in your Bibles from Judges 13 to 16, we, um, we come upon Israel at a time in their history when they are being oppressed by the Philistines. And uh, if you know your Bible, you know your Old Testament, you know Israel's history. They, uh, they are being led by judges at this time. There is no king yet. And uh, things go well while they have a, a godly judge leading them and directing them. And what happens so often with Israel is that they would forget about God. This happens, doesn't it? They forget about God, and next thing you know, they've turned away from God, and they start uh, living uh, like, like everybody else. Without any reference to God, they start living uh, evil lives. In fact, the Bible says that the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the, of the Lord. And like, like so many of us, when things start going bad, we recognize, oh, this is a wake-up call. Things aren't going good for me here. What's going on? What's going on? I, things used to go well, and now things aren't going very well for me. What's going on? And then suddenly, God, by his Spirit, shows us that, in fact, we've forgotten all about him. And we've been trying to live on our own, with our own in our own way and according to our own wisdom and our own strength. And we find ourselves doing things and saying things we wouldn't normally do if we were truly walking with God. Well, that was Israel. And so what they do is the same thing that we would do, is they start crying out to God, God, save us, God, help us, God, deliver us. 
Now, I, guess, I just want to give you some background here, just so that you understand who these Philistines are, because I don't want anybody here feeling sorry for them. These are, these are extremely ruthless and wicked people that Israel is being oppressed by. If you, if you know your history, you'll know that the Philistines made the Nazis look like school patrols. <laughs> I mean, they were bad, bad people. They would torture, they would rape, they would pillage, they would starve the Israelites, they would take the Israelite children and put them into prostitution. Uh, we're talking about the, the most heinous and wicked things that you could imagine, sacrificing Isra- Israelite babies to the god Dagon. Uh, we're talking about horrible, horrific things. And Israel is saying, God, where are you? We thought we were the children of God. We thought we were the chosen people. And if we're the chosen people, God, where are you? And God hears their prayer, the Bible says, and raises up for them a a deliverer whose name is Samson. And uh, the angel of the Lord comes to Samson's mother and says this, you're going to conceive and have a son. Now see to it that you drink no wine or fermented drink, and that you do not eat anything unclean, because you will conceive and give birth to a son. No razor may be used on his head, because the boy is to be a Nazarite, set apart to God from birth, and he will begin the deliverance of Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So Samson, from his very earliest years, does not have a razor touch his head, and his hair begins to grow, and it, it, it's never cut. And uh, he... Uh, he matures, enters puberty, becomes a young man, and suddenly one day he decides, uh, I want to go and explore a little bit. And so he goes exploring the different towns and says, well, I'm going to go see what's happening over in the Philistines' towns and see what happens there. And, and while he's there, he falls in love with a young woman, goes back to his parents and says, I found the woman I want to marry. His parents are horrified, not realizing that God's got a plan in this. This is going to be the beginning of judgment on the Philistines, and uh, the parents finally give in to Samson's demands, and uh, they arrange for Samson to marry this Philistine girl. On his way there, he comes across a lion. A lion actually attacks him. And the Bible says that he puts his hands on that lion and tears a lion apart the way you would tear apart a young goat. Now, I've got to, I've got to be honest with you. I've never torn apart a young goat before. <laughs> but uh, somehow the Bible seems to think that I would understand what that means. But I think you get it, don't you? In other words, it's, it's, it's no sweat for Samson. He takes that line, tears it apart. And that, those are the, that's the beginning of the great feats that he performs. Now, again, I haven't got time to run through the whole story. But I'm just going to sort of touch on some of the amazing things that Samson does. Another time, he pulls the gate posts out of a Philistine town and Actually, the gates and the gateposts, and plants them up on a hill. The people are furious. Uh, if he's, uh, Samson's exposed this town to danger. And other times, he slays 30 Philistine men and takes their garments to satisfy, satisfy a bet that was won by the Philistines unfairly. He's going to teach them a lesson. He slays 30 men, takes their garments, and says, Here, here you go. My, the, my, uh, my debt is paid. Another time, he's engaged to marry yet another Philistine woman. Again, against his parents' wishes, and it turns out badly. Long story short, the bride's father gives uh, the bride to, to Samson's best man. And Samson goes crazy. Enraged, he takes 300 foxes and ties them together in pairs. He attaches a torch to their tails and then lets them go through the, through the fields 
of the, of the Philistines. And of course, you know what happens. All the fields of the Philistines are up in flames now. And the Philistine army says, you know, we can't just stand by and let this guy do whatever he wants. So they, they sent 3,000 men to, to, to get Samson and to, to kill him. And, um, and while, while they're attacking Philistines, the Philistines are attacking Samson. Samson sees the jawbone of a donkey's carcass, picks up that, that donkey's jawbone, and the Bible says he slays uh, 1,000 men that day. Kills 1,000 Philistines men with just the jawbone of a donkey. Absolutely amazing. And then we come to chapter 16, and once again, Samson is smitten. He falls in love with Delilah, you know the story. And Delilah is approached by her Philistine countrymen with an offer of a reward of $3,500 in silver coins if she will find the key to his strength and, and, and guarantee Samson's capture. Now, Samson, remember, has, has made a vow with God. It's the Nazarite vow where his hair cannot be cut, and that's, that's where his strength is. So he does not want to tell uh, his secret, so he teases Delilah as well. Here's what you got to do. You, you got to take uh, seven bowstrings, fresh bowstrings and tie my hands. And if there are seven fresh bowstrings, then nothing can happen to me. So he falls asleep. And what does she do? She ties up his arms. And then when they're done, when, when they're tied up real good, she says, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And the Philistines come rushing in. Of course, you know the story. Samson breaks the, the bowstrings and, and lets them have it. She's really mad at him now and says, you don't love me. If you love me, you would tell me the truth. And so he says, all right, if you bind me with brand new ropes that have never been used before, uh, then for sure uh, I will not be able to get out of them. So he falls asleep and she ties up his arms with fresh ropes that have never been used before. And... Once again, Delilah, when he's sleeping, ties him up and, and yells out, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. The Philistines arrive and they, they try to subdue him. And once again, Samson breaks free of these fresh ropes and lets them have it. Now, wouldn't you think that after the first time that you would get, get the picture that this woman is probably not someone you can trust? You'd think so. You'd think so. One thing that we know about Samson, he was obviously very strong, but he wasn't very brilliant. <laughs> so now she's like, oh, you don't love me. If you love me, you would tell me that, you know. And uh, again, she says, well, if you really love me, you would tell me, the, you'd tell me the secret of your strength. And the dummy says, well, if you weave my hair into a, a weaver's shuttle... Um, it's a machine for making fabric. He says, then for sure, uh, my strength will be gone. And of course, you know, the story falls asleep. She somehow weaves his hair into a, a weaver's shuttle. And I can't figure out how that happens. You have to be stone drunk, I think, for that to, have, to, for that to happen. And, uh, but, but she does it. And then while he's sleeping, she yells out, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He wakes up, pulls the thing off, and then kills him once again. Now, you think, after the third time, right, this guy's going to get the picture. This woman's not on your side, Samson. Before we go any further, can I just remind you of something? How many of us fall into the same pattern as Samson? Satan comes after us and tempts us 
And we know it's wrong. We know it's not the best thing for us. But we, well, what do we do? We fall into temptation yet again. And so while we're laughing at Samson, maybe what we need to do is maybe stifle the laughter and think about our own lives and think about how we have fallen into the same temptation, not once, not twice, not three times, but more. Samson is once again harassed by Delilah and says, she says, if you really love me, <laughs> you would tell me the secret to your strength. He says, okay, I'm going to tell you this time because, because uh, I mean, I've told you three times and I lied to you three times, so I better tell you the truth this time. And he says, if you cut my hair off, I'll lose all my strength. And so, while he's sleeping, she cuts off his hair. And once again, she says, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And Samson, thinking that everything's cool, everything's good, jumps up and tries to subdue the Philistines. But this time, God has left him. God is gone. God's not nowhere around. And Samson is now at the mercy of the Philistines. The very first thing that the Philistines do is they gouge out his eyes with a sword. They take him to prison, and they put him to work grinding grain. Wow. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. Because Samson was not created to be a blind grain grinder. He was created to be a leader in Israel to deliver his people. His life had great value. And then one day, his hair began to grow. Now, Samson has had a mighty wake-up call. He knows that he's failed God. He knows that he's failed his countrymen. He knows that he's failed his parents. He knows that he has been created for something better than this. And he asks God for a second chance. And here's what he says. This is his prayer. He prays. It says this, then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. Would you read that with me? Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. He's saying, God, I know I have failed you. I know I don't deserve a second chance, but God... I'm asking for a second chance. Now, before we talk about that second chance and talk about what happened, I want to, first of all, take a look at some lessons from Samson's life. The very first thing you need to recognize is this. You've heard me say it before. Your life is valuable to God. Your life, your soul is valuable to God. Your life is valuable to your friends, to your family. Your life has great worth, great value. And some of you may be sitting here today thinking that's not the case. I watch people self-destruct all the time and come to me for counseling to help, to ask for help to clean up the mess. And the very first thing that I had discovered that I need to do is I have to affirm to that person that their life has great worth, great value. A person who destroys themselves is a person who thinks that they are not worth anything. And I want you to know right off the bat, Samson has tremendous power and tremendous strength. 
and God had created him to, to do great damage to the kingdom of darkness. The Philistines are a metaphor for the darkness of, of the enemy who wants to destroy you and destroy God's people. Samson has been called on God to deliver his people from the terrible yoke of oppression. Samson's life has great value, great value to God and great value to his countrymen. There are certain things that only Samson can do that nobody else can do. And I want you to know, right here today, every single person sitting here has great value. And there are certain things that God wants you to do that only you can do. Nobody else can do it. If you're a father, there's, you've got a work to do that only you can do as a father to your children. If you're a mother, there's certain things that only you can do as a mother for your children. If you are working with children in the church, there's certain things that only you can do as a church worker and as a teacher. And I don't need to go on there. I think you understand how very valuable and precious you are. It's something that Satan wants to do is he wants to destroy you because you're your life is of value to him too. You say, really? I didn't know my soul was valuable to him. Oh, he values it for a completely different reason. Because he knows this, is that if he could destroy your, your soul, if he could destroy your life, then he's going to strike a blow at the heart of God. And I want you to know something today. God loves you so much. And you know it because you studied that verse, you memorized that verse, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world He loved the world so much that he sent his son to die for you. That's how valuable you are to God. And so Satan knows that if he can strike a blow at you, not only does he hurt your family, not only does he hurt your children, not only does he hurt the people at work, not only does he hurt you, but he hurts the heart of God. And there's nothing that Satan wants more than to hurt the heart of the Father. You see, Satan is powerless against God. There's only one way that he can hurt God, and that's by hurting you. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart now. And understand this, that Satan will do everything in his power to strike a blow at God by striking a blow at you. He will do everything he can to get you on his hook. He knows how to fish better than anybody knows how to fish. He knows how to use the right bait. He knows how to use the right lure. He knows the right place to get you. He knows your areas of weakness. And guess what, my friends? You also know your area of weakness. And that is why you need to cry out to God and say, God, help me. Help me remain true. Help me to remain steady. Help me, oh God. To not be arrogant or lazy or sloppy. Because that's exactly what Samson was. Imagine four times this woman asks, what's the source of your strength? Four times he tells her. Every single time the Philistines show up, but he still doesn't get it. And we could sit here, we can laugh at Samson, think what an idiot, what an idiot. And yet, how about you? How many times has that been you? You've fallen into temptation. And Satan has had his way in your life. Well, I'm telling you, the devil is angling for the precious, for precious souls that belong to God. And he'll do anything in his power to destroy you. You need to know that. And you need today to start examining your heart and start protecting yourself 
The second thing I need to point out to you this morning is that it's very easy to become disconnected from God. You say, but, oh, pastor, what you, you always say that God will never leave us or forsake you. No, God will never leave you nor forsake you. But there are times when you will leave him and forsake him. God doesn't move. He stays where he is. And so we see in Judges 16, verse 20, it says that after she said, Samson, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. The Bible says that Samson woke up from his sleep and thought, I'll go out as before. I'll go out as before. I'll do what I did before. I experienced God before. I'll experience him again. I knew his anointing before. I can get it again. I'll go out as before and shake myself free. But listen to this. These are, these are to me, this is the saddest sentence, one of the saddest sentences in all the Bible. In all, in all the chapters and all the books of the Bible, this is probably one of the saddest sentences It says this, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. Let the Spirit of God speak to your heart right now. Because it's so easy to go on your way doing spiritual and religious things. I go to church on Sunday and I even put something in the offering plate and I sing the songs. But meanwhile, you're just going through religious rituals, religious motions, and you don't even know that God's not there. Remember Jonah? Jonah was a prophet of God. He heard the voice of God. God spoke to him. God told him what to do. And then one day, he wasn't hearing God's voice anymore. But God still knows. How many know that God knows how to get your attention? And so, Jonah's on a ship. You know the story. Jonah's thrown overboard. The fish swallows him. And now God's got his attention. What does it take for God to get your attention, people? Does it take a big, a big fish to come along and swallow you up where you are in trouble, when things aren't going right, where financially things aren't where they need to be, where maritally things aren't where they need to be? You've got problems in your family, problems at work. What does God have to do to get your attention? Remember David? Just merrily going along, commits adultery with Bathsheba, but carries on being the king and acting like everything's fine. And one day... The prophet shows up and says, you're, you've been disconnected. You've been unplugged, David. You're no, you're no long, you know, are, are no longer in touch with God, and God is definitely not in touch with you. And David has a sense to say, you know what? <laughs> i got to get that back. i got to get the presence of God back. And he falls on his face, and he composes the beautiful psalm, the very moving psalm, a psalm that absolutely everybody here needs to read, needs to learn, needs to memorize, Psalm 51. And, he, and he, he, he says this prayer to God. He says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew an unwavering spirit within me. And listen to this. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. <sighs> Have you ever experienced that? The presence of God is not in your life. And God's not answering prayers, and you're not experiencing miracles, and things aren't going well for you. My friends, that's a red flag. That's a wake-up call. God's saying, hey, you've walked away. Come back to me. And then David says, restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. In other words, God, help me to follow you. Help me to do things your way. Samson could very well have prayed that very prayer. What does God have to do to get your attention? And I'm telling you this morning, his presence and his protection will depart from you. 
And when it does, you'll know it. And so this morning, I'm saying this to you, that this is a wake-up call. This is a warning to you this morning. I don't care how young or how old you are, you need to hear this. It's time for you to get back on track. And here's the thing. You say, Pastor, I'm not sure how to do that. Well, then you'll come and talk to me. Make an appointment with me. Call the office. Phone me. I'll be glad to help you get back on track. But you know what? You just have to fall on your knees before God. Confess your sin. And the Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Do that. And get reconnected. Get plugged in to get to God again. So from Samson, we learn that Satan values your soul. If he can get your soul, he, he strikes a blow against God. We learn from Samson that it's very easy to become disconnected from God so that you don't even know it. But we also learn this, is that God is, in fact, a God with a second chance. Can I ask you a question? I've wondered this. And as I was preparing my message, just really... This, this thrilling, thrilling truth came through to my heart. Why, if the Philistines knew that when Samson's hair was cut off, that he would lose his strength, why, have you ever wondered this? Why did the Philistines allow Samson's hair to grow back when they knew it was the key to his great strength? Did you ever wonder that? Well, I'm going to tell you why. It wasn't that they were... They were thinking, oh, well, we don't, have to, we don't have anything to worry about. He is blind now, after all. Even a, even a blind Samson can't, can't cause havoc. But, but here's the thing. These Philistines did not know Samson's God. They didn't know that Samson's God is a God of the second chance. They didn't know that Samson's God is a forgiving God, a gracious, loving Father. They, they believe that if one of the champions of their God, Dagon, D-A-G-O-N, had betrayed Dagon the way Samson had betrayed God, that it would have, it would have been off with his head. It would have been, you, you messed up, buddy. Too bad. You, got, you don't get a second chance. And so they thought to themselves, let his hair grow back. Gods don't forgive. They only punish and destroy. My friends, I'm so thrilled to be called into ministry so that I have the privilege and the honor to say this to you today. My God is a God of the second chance. My God is a God who forgives. My God is a God who gives grace. And he giveth and giveth and giveth again. That's my God. That's the God that the Philistines did not know. That was the God of Samson. And so then we read this. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars. He'd asked the, he'd been, been called upon by, by all the rulers who had gathered together in the temple of Dagon to have their, their wicked pagan ceremonies. And they, they wanted to pull out Samson and, and put him on display as a trophy of Dagon's power. And they really believed that Dagon somehow had triumphed over the God of Israel. And so the, he's being led out by his servant and Samson says, look, put me, position me beside the pillars. 
dumb servant. And Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, Let me die. Let me die with the Philistines, God. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. God is the God of the second chance. And this morning, if you are here and you know that your life resembles Samson's in some ways, then God is giving you a wake-up call. In his grace, in his mercy, and in his love, he's giving you a second chance. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, we want to say thank you right now for your presence here. We want to say thank you, O God, that although Samson messed up in so many ways, he messed up spectacularly, yet we see your grace at work in his life, and we see, O God, how great you are. We thank you, Father, that what you did for Samson you can and will do for us. If there's any here this morning who would think or be tempted to think, oh, well, I'll, I'll pursue my path of sin and God will give me a second chance and, and, and I'll, I'll work it out. God, help us to recognize the horrible pain and the horrible damage that is done when we choose to follow that ridiculous line of reasoning. Help us to recognize, oh God, that with sin comes horrible, horrible consequences. Even though you are the God of the second chance, still, O oh God, you allow the consequences for sin. And so help us this day, O oh God, to hear your voice and to respond, Lord, to what your Spirit is saying. And we thank you, Father, that you are so good and so faithful. In Jesus' name. Let's stand and sing it again. Come on. Hallelujah. Everyone, everyone to the cross. Doesn't matter what you've done. Everyone can come to the cross. 
Father, we want to say thank you this morning for the cross. We thank you, O God, that at that cross our sins have been washed away. We thank you, God, that you are the God of the second chance. Lord, a number of us have needed to hear that word this morning. It's been a wake-up call. It's been a reminder to get back on track. Father, we pray today that we would hear your voice and enjoy your presence as we did when we first met you, when we first came to know you as our Lord and Savior. And so, God, we thank you right now. I just want you to look at me for a moment. I want to tell you this. Judges chapter 16 is not the, the last we hear from Samson. His